Hey there, you are listening to episode 129 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Scott Duvall, and one of my other co-hosts, Tony Waller, joins me in studio as we get caught up on all things UGA athletics. It's been about a month since our last episode, and I know this is usually where the famed cold open happens, but I figured I'd change it up just this one time. So on today's show, it's just Tony and me, and we touch on a lot of different topics ranging from the controversial ticket price increase for the 2018 football season, UGA men's and women's basketball, and whether or not the men will make the tournament, and whether or not the women will actually be good enough to host a tournament game at Stegman Coliseum. There's also a decent amount of recruiting talk. How could we not talk about recruiting after the class that Coach Smart turned in a few weeks ago? There's a smattering of baseball talk and some personal ratings of current SEC football coaches and, of course, us asking for more of your iTunes reviews towards the end of the episode. And Will also makes an appearance. Yes, our other co-host, Will Leach, fills you in on what he's been up to and provides his own insight into the men's and women's basketball team. You'll be able to hear him at the, uh, let's just say, towards the end of the show. And sorry, it's been a while since we recorded a podcast episode. And a quick heads up, our microphone levels were a bit off today. I'll take the blame for that. It's not terrible, but it's certainly noticeable, or at least noticeable to me. So yeah, this is episode 129. Hope you enjoy the show. And without any further ado, let's get started. It's obviously that I've forgotten how to podcast since we haven't done it. In about a month. That sounds right. I mean, Will gets all kinds of practice because he's got about nine podcasts. Well, actually, about nine and a half. Well, nine more because the well, I guess the Will Leach podcast is on hiatus ish. Right. Um, we'll pour a little out for Sports on Earth. I don't know. I guess since we podcast last Sports on Earth, it caught me by surprise. A thing. Um, and that was cool. He got to write the obituary for the for the site. I mean, look, you know, Sports on Earth. It, it ran its course. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it had been around longer than I thought. Um, five I, years, five or six. Yeah. Um, a lot of media sites like that don't really have the opportunity to write their own obituary. And it was great that they were able to give Will the opportunity to do that. If you have not read it, it's lives out there in perpetuity. Uh, it's actually very well done. It's a very nice summation of the history of sports on earth and what it was and what it became and why, um, why MLB decided to, and USA Today decided to pull the job, uh, pull the plug on it. So, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting that not a whole lot was made out of it because we, as an internet only property, it certainly had value, and certainly I think it added to the conversation. Certainly, Matt Brown was a, somebody I followed for college football um, fairly closely, uh, but you know, it's I, I think Matt's going to land on his feet. Some of the other writers, I think. At least one's already working with Athletic. Will's got his own thing now at Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Uh, You've you've posted a few things on Instagram. Yeah, I've shared his interview with Tara Lipinski and a couple of the other. I don't, I don't, I knew who she was. Obviously, I've been watching her and Johnny Weir every night because that's appointment uh, television, watching them analyze the uh, Olympic figure skating. But the other two guests, uh, it's just my ignorance of not knowing the sports media. I I knew it was two guys. um, (laughs) And I, I listened to it and I thought it was very well done. Will is a very, I guess magnanimous is that a word? Is magnanimous. That magnanimous host. Uh, he's very welcoming. He does a great job with his opening monologue. Um, it kind of reminds me of just kind of uh, someone's solo show. Would it be an insult to say it reminds me of the Dennis Miller show? No, I don't think so. Because uh, I know, I know, you know, I don't know how Will feels about Dennis Miller, but just kind of the the opening monologue. You know, the very cerebral. Um, you know, and that's what we get here when we sit down with them. 
Um, but that short-lived show that Dennis Miller did on HBO back, yeah. you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I think it is. If you haven't watched it, it's actually very well done. And but the first thing my wife said when she saw it, I was like, there's a studio audience. Can we go? I was like, I, I said, I'm not exactly sure a studio. I, I think it's the camera guys clapping. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, like a talk suit when Joe McHale used yeah, to Yeah, it's like seven of them. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't think I can put words in Will's mouth very well, but I, I feel comfortable that his reaction to that is, no, right. there is not a studio audience. And I would feel very uncomfortable if people I knew were in there. Right. So, um, but having said that, well, having said that, uh, our contract negotiation for wait since last Saturday comes up this summer. So maybe when we renegotiate, we should write that into the next contract <laughs> for the next three year. I think we do a collective bargaining three year agreement. Yeah. So we could include the Tony and I are in the studio audience for one show per season. Yeah, that's, I'm fine with that. You know, Sports Illustrated has to bring us up. That's not what we're going to do. Yeah, per diems, yeah, everything the whole, like the whole that. Absolutely. Uh, we have to stay, but but the weirdest things we have to stay at Will's Airbnb. Where <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, One bedroom. Which is which brings up an interesting point. Um, as many of you have been kindly noting on Twitter and other areas of social media, we have not done a podcast in a month. No. Um, we were supposed to do one last week, but I got kind of busy, and yeah, and people, Will's busy. People's jobs. Um, my, my wife was very concerned about it. She asked me, she's like, are you ever going to do another podcast or is it, is it done? Are you, are you, is it over? And I was like, well, number one, I appreciate your concern. And, and number two, Tony and I Will think she's and I, more worried about me. Yeah. Well, she misses seeing you. We're in our third off season, which is, is weird, it, right? Do you count 15 before we started as an off? No, that, we well, know. I guess it, I mean, I well, guess you can count the two weeks before. Okay, 16, 17, 18, yeah. Yeah, we're in our third off season, and we are going to cover some some the same, some same of the same themes. We're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to talk about the men's basketball program a little bit. We're going to talk about the women's basketball program, who yeah. are actually doing very well. But it has, it's good to see you. It's good to be back in a room and talking about football, talking about Georgia athletics. Um, I, uh, I have taken a, a, I guess, a mental health break. Um, I, I have perused the um, I perused the the blogosphere, but I've kind of stayed out of it. Um, I did have an interesting conversation. Uh, some of you will remember David Ching, who uh, used to be a beat writer. Used to be a beat writer. Did uh, work for ESPN uh, and for a number of years. Also, um, he is doing some work for Forbes now. Um, he and I talked about an article he is pondering regarding uh, the fan experience and and as that relates to ticket prices. Um, I actually retweeted an article he wrote this week for Forbes about hiring a new football coach doesn't necessarily fix the tennis problems. Uh, and it sounds a little bit like that. Uh, sounds a little bit like that might be a lead into his article he's working on the fan experience in, in decreasing attendance at college football games. I think it's only going to get more. Well, I mean, it, it's only going to happen more. Well, how do you say that? How do you say that correctly? The lack of fans at a game is going to, Increase if that makes sense, because well, I mean, you're only you're only as good as your home schedule, yeah. and you know, I know we were we were kind of trashing the 2017 home schedule, which turned out to be really good. But uh, you know, when I, when I've got Austin P coming in and UMass and Georgia Tech, and yes, I did throw them with, with Middle <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are your non-conference games, and it's a trash home schedule, at least non-conference. And what we've got two good SEC games with Auburn and Tennessee coming in. Seven home games. Um, this, I guess this kind of leads into you're probably setting up the whole ticket price increase. I know you'll tread lightly on it and 
Well, I mean, you, you, you and I did talk about that. Yeah. We're kind of prepping for the show, but I, the bigger picture, I would say about I think I think, and I speak Scott fairly fluently. <laughs> Scott was saying the continuing decline in attendance at college football games uh, is a thing. It uh, is. It is. You know, and TVs are great. TVs are great, and yeah. the the thing that um, t- is notable about that is the trend, in, especially in professional athletics, is fewer seats, more. Mm-hmm. Um, more activities. I mean, for example, SunTrust Park is a good example. Oh yeah, um, I got a zipline. Yeah, I have I have long made fun of SunTrust Park because they have. I assume they have an orange Julius because it's a mall atmosphere, right? There are things to do beyond simply consume baseball. My and, kids call it Fun Trust Park. Right, and yeah. that's but that's great because they point. when I say let's go to the Braves game, they're like, well, they almost said hell yeah. They go, <laughs> yes. they go absolutely. They yes. do not say hell yeah. Um, sure, sure, we get that. <laughs> Um, so the, but you know, you're seeing that now in college athletics, the university of Florida has talked about, um, uh, some, some changes they're going to make to Ben Hill Griffin stadium, for example, thank goodness we don't have to go there. Uh, but they're talking about some changes they're going to make, uh, to that. And, and frankly, they did a big renovation, um, shortly after college football was amended in 1990 to increase, uh, the end zones, the south end zones from north end zones, whichever end zones there are. Um, uh, and they took their stadium seating up, I think a little north of 90,000 seats. And they are Scott Strickland, who is their AD specifically said, we need to evaluate do we need that many seats. They are a place that has struggled with fan attendance. Um, Florida fan is uh, notoriously fickle. Uh, I'm not throwing shade. I'm stating a fact. Uh, I think if you were to ask a lot of Florida fans, I mean, if you listen to, um, if you read every day should be Saturday, you listen to shutdown forecast. They talk about their, their lack of interest in Florida football. And these are, you know, Ryan Nanny and Spencer Hall are actually, you know, pretty good Florida fans. I mean, Spencer Hall was in the pride of the sunshine marching band. Um, he started a blog about Florida football. Mm-hmm. And, but his point is, is, is well taken. It's like, he's like, it's not, I don't care about it. I should care to watch it. Right. If it, if it sucks. And, Oh, the um, Muschamp and McElwain. Right. Yeah, yeah, the Muschamp and McElwain heroes. And it almost is funny. Every day should be Saturday started out of the Zook era. Mm. And um, so having said all of that, Scott Strickland, the Florida AD, said we're looking at bringing our stadium size down. And are there are there ways we can use the space that are there to enhance the both upscale, uh, the upscale market and also enhance the fan experience? Um, who knows what that's going to look like? Um, and, and, you know, we, we as Georgia fans can have a lot of discussions about Sanford Stadium. There are some things that, that we are locked into because of the placement of the stadium, which I absolutely think is perfect. Absolutely. Um, but you, you, know, you, can't, you can't change the fact that it's built into two sides of a hill. And you can't change the fact that it literally has buildings all around it. And um, there's some things you can change, some things you can't. What, what are you suggesting? Well, uh, I, I keep the... the I, I hear a lot of the common themes, like the bathrooms. Um, they have done some things to increase. They improved the ones in the end zone. Right. The, the ones in the end zone, because they have room to, yeah, to, that's to right. work there. Um, the, the biggest thing I keep hearing, and, and oh, by the way, if you have not, if you have not seen pictures um, or gone by uh, the, the West End Zone, it's amazing. It looks amazing. And I think it's going to improve a lot of the traffic flow because you will now be able to get in and out of the stadium from the bridge. The bridge. Uh, which I think will help some of the issues that some people have. Part of the problem uh, that I continue to hear about is the lack of space on the north, on the south end zone, uh, south, lower level south, because 
literally it's a tunnel there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the students come in and it becomes a bottleneck. <laughs> right. Well, I'm talking about on the south side. I'm talking about where the – Oh, I was thinking north. north. Side. Yeah, I, I, I got to get my uh, directional. Yeah. But I think that, that – It's so, bad on both. It's bad on both, both sides. Yeah. But um, at least on the north side, you can go outside into the new the Reed, Reed Plaza. Plaza. There you uh, go. There's, there's no corollary in the Reed Plaza there. The reason is, is like literally when you're standing at your head level – it's still 10 feet underground uh, when you're standing in the concourse there, um, which also always kind of loops back around to the point you were making about home schedule and the fan experience. I continue to go to a Georgia game. So the Georgia game is, is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the, the atmosphere. I enjoy the pageantry. Um, I can, we can have a get off my lawn moment talking about the music, but frankly, the music is the, what the music is. But you know, the one thing I will say that, that consistently comes up that Georgia um, I think Georgia has worked on, and I'm going to give credit where it's due, is one, the food options are, are better. The prices could be better, but that's a quibble. And for the most part, I think service is is better than it was. Now, again, I continue to hear some people complaining about, you know, well, you've got high school bands in there. I, my personal opinion is we should be doing that. I think it's a great community thing. If, if you can wait an extra five minutes for a hot dog, and if you're going to, if, if it helps out, the Clark Central Band or the Boy Scouts or the Jefferson um, Flag Line. Mm-hmm. Sorry, get over it. Yeah. Just get flat out. You can at me on Twitter. Get over it. Well, in the Gate 6 area, they've got Chick-fil-A there, yep. and they've got it down pat. I oh, mean, yeah. they bring everybody in there. They've got three people moving the line. So, I mean, Chick-fil-A, but that's Well, well not just Chick-fil-A, but the the, pop, the place with the pizza on that yeah, on the right yeah. side, the, the place with the hot dogs and hamburgers down the other side. But again, they also have the luxury of room. Um, I mean, that's true. They, but, but that's where I sit. That's all I've yeah, experienced. Right. Uh, we're you know, both down that end mm-hmm. on the side. So having said all that, Scott, you have some thoughts on the ticket prices, which is actually not as well plowed land generally. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been kind of turned over and over. Uh, Senator Blutarski did a phenomenal job of kind of outing it. And then he referenced, uh, I think there was a girl named StatDog82, that did statistical analyses. Yeah, she's a she's a Georgia stat, double dog, double dog stat statistics. Yeah. And you know, I'm not going. You can read the article. I'll link it in the show notes page. Uh, but she basically called bunk on what the athletic department described as a realistic or marginal ticket or price increase because what they were doing with quoting their math was they were just taking the price of the actual base value tickets. They weren't calculating in the actual donation. And I think if I remember correctly, that if you combine it all, what they wrote on their website or their, I guess, propaganda, did I say that word? Propaganda? Sure. Okay. And their propaganda of why it's justified is that they were saying that it just falls in line and that Georgia was ranking at the bottom of the SEC and this brings it back up. Well, when you combine them, it really is kind of the most expensive ticket in the SEC next to Auburn. Um, and so, you know, I think the way I feel about it is the way that probably most pe- people feel about it. They're going to get their money. It's just the, the way and the tact of them coming about it. It's almost like um, I'm going to tell a story. On Saturday, we were cleaning up the basement, and I've got a lot of very old tools that my grandfather used. They're, they're special. They're, you know, nostalgia and everything. They work great. Well, my middle son took one of these uh, anvil hammers, and he said that he wanted to go hit a tree. I was like, yeah, I used to hit trees back before iPads and, you know, anything fun to do. You know, go out and hit a tree. Wait a minute. To be clear, hitting a tree with an anvil is fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, hammer. Or a stick or anything. I was kind of, I was kind of proud he was going to do that. Not, not your sister. No, not my sister. Not- yeah. And so he left 
for about 10 minutes and I'm piddling around trying to clean stuff up. And then, I don't know, about 30 minutes later, I, I pivot and I look in this box beneath me and I see that anvil hammer and it's broken in half. And it was just laying there. I didn't see him come in. I didn't see him leave. Because he's good. He's good at this. Because he's good at this. He's a nine-year-old boy. And so I put him in my back pocket and I walked out and I'm like, hey, Walker, I need that anvil hammer. Can you bring it to me? And then you kind of see his face drop and everything. And I said, where is it? And he was like, well, I kind of, you kind of what? We we eventually got to the bottom (laughs) of it where he snapped it in half. And I told him, and here's the, the gist of what I'm trying to get at. I told him, I was like, just tell me ahead of time. It's like it's an old hammer. I mean, I'm not I'm not heartbroken about it. It was it was probably on its last leg anyway. You know, big deal. Just don't hide it and, and bury the lead for a sports reference on 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 what happened to it. And so that's what I'm getting at. And he understood, and you know, everything was fine. It seems like the athletic department just kind of left the hammer in the box and then expected us to be cool with it. Yeah, and I think the you know, framing the conversation that Blutarski had and others, I uh, will point out, Seth Emerson, for example, wrote a series of articles about it, um, is that it is a um, – frame it in terms of kind of the way most people felt. I think all of us assumed prices were going to go up. Sure. We finished second in the nation. Yeah. We had the best season we've had in um, – I would argue – I would certainly say in 37 years, but I would argue even maybe even beyond that. Um, we could, I, oh, yeah. I, I, my, my position on this fairly well state. Um, the part about it that is hard for a lot of people to swallow is that almost treating us like we're too dumb to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it, again, I, I certainly understand. Um, I certainly understand where the athletic department's coming from. Right. Right. You, you, just be upfront about it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, we exactly. to to mirror to mirror economic realities. We're going to raise the prices and just put it out there. But that's just what they may. Um, you know, the reality is is that I still love George football enough that I'm going to pay the prices that are put in front of me because that's where my market value is. And frankly, if you don't want to do it, there are people in line waiting. That's, um, that's right. They can get the money. It's like when you go to a movie theater that you're going to pay $9 for a Coke because they got you. Sure. Because they've got you. Right. Uh, you're, you're thirsty. You're the theater. And they've, they've sold you um, a five-gallon bucket of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the, the bigger picture, though, is that it does speak a little bit to um, what is perceived around as uh, the, you know, the bigger picture, you know, forward vision of um, of the athletic department. Now, having said all that, is, and I will say this up front that I am, um, I'm, I'm no expert on this. Um, I have my opinions, but there, it's hard to argue that um, regardless of how the Kirby hire happened, the Kirby hire was a very, very good hire. Mm-hmm. One of which I, I openly doubted in 2015. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, you know, it looks like the women's basketball program is that hire is turning out to be very, very good. Like some of the capital improvements are, are you said paid. women's basketball, women's basketball. Okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking specifically about hires that, that the current athletic administration has made. Um, the track coach, for example, is mm-hmm. another a, a good example. So, I want us to be careful about um, letting, letting some, some crowd mentality about you know, fire McGarity or McGarity this. Um, let's we'll separate that the, the pitchforks and, and torches from. You know the realities, which is that um, there is a level of um, there's a level of expectation that's been set now in football, um, and you I certainly do not fault athletics for capturing uh, the market realities of of that level of expectation. 
in, in putting that into ticket prices. And I would be very surprised if we don't see some, some of that in other little areas. Frankly, I think the Hartman donation is going to go up a fair amount this year, um, which you should expect. Um, well, the donation was the same. Well, I'm talking about the base donation. Um, oh, right, yeah. Right. yeah. To be able to acquire, acquire uh, right. tickets for you know, right. bowl games and there away games. There you go. Georgia football is a, a different thing than it was maybe even a year ago. Um, Think about this time last year. Will was all over Kirby with the way he handled his press conferences and, and you know, five months ago, rough about yeah. it. And now, you know, you're not going to hear that from Will. And plus, I think Kirby did kind of, you know, I guess get a little bit more friendly, if, if you will, to the media and a little bit more accessible and fun to, to be around because of the success this year. Well, 13 tool. That, that'll do it. it. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, so that is a, that is a, a, a very long way to wrap up. That, mm-hmm. um, you know, those of you that have asked us about it, we've recognized tick prices come up like everybody. Oh, I'm not happy about it, but it's like I said at the beginning. I'm going. Nobody's yeah. nobody's going to be happy about you know getting somebody picking their pocket basically for a lot more money. It's just the way they went about it, and I think it's the fact that you know McGarity has been under fire in years past. You know, 2015, 2016, it kind of reached peak, and then it, and then with Kirby's success and the football success. You didn't see really anything for six months um, in negative about uh, Greg McGarity. And it's just like then he pops back up and you realize like eh, maybe he does rub some people the wrong way. I don't have an opinion about him one way or another. He's an athletic director. He's in a very tough position. I would say I wouldn't like to be in this position, but I, but I kind of would. That, that would be a fun job to do. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just that people just don't like feeling like they're getting hoodwinked or right. you know, just kind of like here's – Here's the, the magic trick and sleight of hand and, oh, how'd that happen? Right. And I will say that um, – I will say that, like, yeah, I, I've never seen McGarity at football games. There's 92,000 people there. I see him at nearly every men's basketball game mm-hmm. I go to. I see him at every women's basketball game I go to. I see him at a lot of baseball games I go to. Um, I have not been to gymnastics this year, but I've seen gymnastics meets. I've seen him poking around track meets. I've seen him swim meets. So – it is not as if he is unengaged, and it's also not as if he is um, doesn't at least is not made available to if you're a common fan to talk with with Greg McGarity. Um, I know people send him email messages, and I, you know, I, I understand he responds. Matter of fact, the stat dog, yeah, you gotta, yeah, you got to give him back. credit for right. kind of coming right. back at it, right? So, you know, I guess that's a, a kind of a good lead in to, to men's basketball. I don't know. I mean, if you want to, if you want to jump down now, they have him. You know, I was amazed, and I know you're going to bring this up. And this is my men's basketball knowledge right here. I saw that Joe Lenardi, after their win versus number 18th uh, ranked Tennessee, they jumped up into the first four out. Yes, yeah. I thought they were DOA for the NIT just this time last week. That's amazing that they can do that. But then if you look back. They've got the St. Mary's win. They've got the Tipple win. They've got two wins over Florida and now a win versus Tennessee. And they close out with a couple games. And they play Tennessee again. They got, what, Mississippi State. Um, so they've got a chance well, they, they can go three and four. Right. Well, you know, you have to look at the teams they beat over the past two weeks. Uh, last week, they beat Florida on the road. Florida's a team that's projecting out somewhere in the neighborhood of a uh, I mean, at one point they were looking like a four seed. Mm-hmm. Um, they had have slipped back in recent weeks, including the Georgia loss to probably a seven or eight, maybe as low as nine. But they're in the tournament. Right oh now. yeah, they're definitely in the tournament. Tennessee at one point is projecting as a two or three seed. Again, they've they've slipped back to four or five. But still, I mean, these are teams well within the tournament. So those losses to Auburn not hurt Georgia because they were projected one seed. Well, they don't hurt as much as say a loss to Vanderbilt. Was it Vanderbilt? Yeah, right. Um, 
But the road win of Florida is one that gets people's attention because that is a very a notoriously tough place to play basketball. Um, now we have three games left um, that are all three of the four games left are, are extremely winnable. Um, tomorrow at South Carolina. South Carolina's the worst team in the conference. How did they go from Final Four to worst team in the conference? Um, a little bit of a little bit of a couple. I mean, they lost a, a couple of very good players. Um, they also got really hot and lucky last year during the tournament, which is what That's, teams do. Yeah. Um, so then they have LSU at home, Texas A&M at home, and wind up on the road at Tennessee. Now, I think you absolutely have to beat South Carolina. I don't see any way losing South Carolina, even on the road, um, because you lost to them at home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think if you win, you win your two home games and pick up either of the road game. You, I think, mean, frankly, if you win the Tennessee game on the road, you almost lock yourself in, absent a terrible loss in the SEC tournament. Again, Tennessee's a good team. They're going to be five to seven seed in the tournament. Um, and again, road wins are valued more than home wins. Um, you know, but right now, Georgia is sitting at six and eight in the in the conference, fifteen and eleven. A um, and M and LSU are tied with them at six and eight. So wins over both those teams are guaranteed. They'll finish higher than those teams. Um, that would put them eighth in the conference uh, at, let's say they went three of the four, that puts them at 18 and um, eighteen and 12 going into the SEC tournament. You pick up two wins in the SEC tournament. I, I don't see any way. I think that's ambitious. I, mean, I think it's, it's ambitious, yeah. but I don't think Because I'm still thinking about the team that lost, what, five out of six and would only beat Florida at home. Right. And they, I mean, they couldn't do anything right. And it's right. just that style – Will talks about it a lot, yeah. that pace of play that Fox runs. It worked perfectly against Tennessee on Saturday. Well, actually, he, he, he changed a couple of things up. and It really changed up at Florida. But even against Tennessee, he, he took the chains off a little bit. He let, him, let the offense free, free flow a little bit, which allows Maiden uh, a little more opportunity and really allows Tyree Crump some freedom, mm-hmm. uh, which is good, right? Um, so, you know, I think it's, it bears watching that the, the season has been resurrected out of the ash heap. But those two wins, again, it can still go down in flames. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and we'll save the Mark Fox, will he still be here next year, conversation for later because, think, frankly, I think it's premature um, because you make the tournament. I don't see – I would be very surprised if that decision were to be made. Um, you don't make the NIT? Yeah, I think that decision gets, that's not a hard decision at all. It's somewhere in between is where it gets mushy. Mm-hmm. And we can have that conversation later. Women's basketball, on fire. They lost a – they lost a game on the road to a very good South Carolina team. Um, I guess that was last week. I was looking at it, but Tennessee loss. Yeah, um, but you know, right now they are fourth in the conference. I want to say, um, and that puts them. I think that's going to put them well in the. Um, I was about to look at the things. Um, so in women's basketball, uh, if you're good enough, like top four seed, you actually host. Yeah, so on yeah, campus, that, and that's exactly where I was going. Will Will's brought this up a couple of times. If you're a top four seed, you host the first weekend at your campus. Um, there are a lot of very good things that can happen. That most importantly, you build fan support. Right, mm-hmm. you you get to go. Your fans can come and watch an NCAA basketball tournament uh, game um, in on your home court. And of course, the home, home court bench is amazing. Uh, right now, Georgia is third, tied with Missouri at ten and four, a game behind South Carolina eleven and three. Mississippi State is fourteen. And oh, and they are they're an absolute lock to be uh, a one seed and maybe the one seed in the tournament. No, UConn. Um, I mean, they, they beat a team by eighty one points about a week ago. Right. Sure. They'll be the number. Mississippi State will be the number two overall seed. 
in the women's tournament. Um, let's see how they're doing. Let's how how did how did UConn do this this year? I don't I, think they've lost. I don't. I have no idea. Um, I haven't actually seen anything about them. Um, let's see. Standing there, that's what I'm for. So UConn is twenty six and zero. So that that seems pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um. So maybe I'm wrong, but they they Mississippi State will absolutely be a one seed. Mm-hmm. South Carolina is probably a two or three seed towards a two or three seed, mm-hmm. maybe a four seed depending on what happens in the CC tournament. We're seeing recruiting come back up too, and that's um, that's a, a really important thing. Love Andy Landers, but uh, he just there were teams that were recruiting better at the end of his tenure, and um, it showed it showed on the court and it showed last year. Well, interesting story. Um, Joni and my wife Jennifer are friends. Yeah. And Jennifer turned 40 a couple weeks ago. And I spent the day, well, I spent a couple days before and actually planned for it. But the, her birthday party was I invited anybody and everybody that she kind of knew to just drop by the house and, you know, bring some flowers and say happy birthday. Well, I, I got, had jo- I knew she had Joni's number. So I texted Joni. Uh, I was like, hey, can you stop by? And she said, sure, I'll, I'll have to practice that morning. I'll stop by and you know, wish her a happy birthday. Well, about two hours before she was going to stop by, she texted me and said, can't stop by. I've got to go to Atlanta. I've got a big recruiting visit to take. And yeah. obviously, I was like, no problem. Yeah. You do your thing. So she sent a video text message in to Jennifer. But yeah, she's, she's killing it on the recruiting trail. And I can see why because she's the couple times I've met her, I mean, she's, she, you immediately meet her. Yeah. Yeah, You just want to hang out and pick her brain. We were talking, I don't, you know, I'm self-proclaimed. I don't know much about basketball, but it sure was fun to talk uh, strategy. We were talking men's hoops and women's hoops just in the span of about five minutes. And she's very relatable and just fun to be around. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want in, in, in your, your women's basketball pro uh, coach, because it's, we can talk, I mean, Ariana is, is, he is, is a noted, he's noted, yeah. And um, that's fine, but that's not necessarily what you're. Um, that's not necessarily what you're going for. So the uh, and I do want to talk about football recruiting. A lot of people are like, oh my god, we just talk about football recruiting. So you know, I do want to bring up baseball. Two or three from Georgia Southern, which is a good start. Scored twenty two runs on Friday, right? And I, like somebody texted me, like, wow, did you see the twenty two runs? I was like, oh, we start off last season that may run. Yeah. So let's see. Well, then, yeah, and then they lost eight three on Saturday. I don't yeah. know how they did on Sunday. They uh, won. Walk off win. Walk off win. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. So you know they um, Georgia Southern's a, a good, absolutely good baseball program. And frankly, they're a program that has not recruited Georgia recently, and that is that's good. That's good to see. Um, it looks like pitching's a little better, which has kind of been the tough part. George Jones avoids some injuries. Pitching staff is not as deep as um, a team that you would like to see make a deep run in the SEC. Well, they had a lot of freshmen last year. Yep. A lot of freshmen. So, I mean, who knows? We, there could be some, there could be some gems out there that we, we haven't seen yet. Uh, they could really step up and be that, that one and two and potentially three starter, which pays off in those three game weekend series in the SEC. Um, so football recruiting, don't know if you heard, it went pretty good. <laughs> so a couple of caveats. I've, I've heard a lot of like, I'm like wow, that's a boast. I was like, so very calm down. I like to look at – well, I mean, I always like to look back and see who actually showed up at campus. It looks like everybody's going to come right mm-hmm. now. Uh, there are no rumors of so-and-so not making scores or whatever. That could change. Um, we also have five months for 17, 18-year-olds to be 17, 18-year-olds. Sure. <laughs> um, so having said that, I always like to look at average – like the the average. Mm-hmm. Not, not the actual total points because that can be misleading. Georgia had 26 guys. Um, Alabama had 19. So that also – So you're talking about star average? Star average, right. Um, but so before you get, you know, ah, Alabama's down, it's like, 
them recruited fine. They recruited for need. They they could have recruited a couple more guys and just chose not to. They already have more depth than the Giants. Um, so let's let's before we start pouring concrete in the in the sarcophagus, let's uh, let's slow down for a minute. Um, but the thing I really liked about it is, did you see all the offensive line recruits? Are you kidding me? That to me is the most unheralded improvement from the end of the Rick era, frankly, the last six years of the Rick era. Oh, he would go a couple years with like two offensive yeah. line recruits. Yeah, that's the biggest difference. Um, and you know, I think I don't think I don't think it was poor recruiting. I just think they had some key misses without backup plans or without being able to close backup plans, and that that hurts, right? You know, you end up in a situation where, um, and we had some really really good. I mean, Ben Jones is he. Started for the past two years for the New England Patriots at the center, right? So it's not like we didn't recruit good good players. It's just there was there was a lack of depth. Yeah, we were lucky last year with injuries on the offensive line because if we had gone through a couple, like say Wynn or Baker had gone out or you know a couple others, I mean Cleveland came in and did an amazing job at the end of the season. But after you got past him, there were a lot of green guys. I mean Isaiah Wynn, not Isaiah Wynn, uh, Wilson. Could have come in, but luckily we threw a red shirt, on, red shirt on him. Yeah, and I think I think that was uh, it. Ended up being by design. I mean, I think he just wasn't ready for the well, kind of like Cleveland. He wasn't. Yeah, he redshirted, and then yeah. he was a monster this year. Yeah, and of course he didn't. He didn't even start starting until exactly. like seven game seven, game eight. Right. Um, so yeah, I would be very surprised if you don't see that at Wilson this year. Um, he's, I think he's just too much, too much talent. But you know, you look at the recruits. Um, and some of these guys, I just I've forgotten how highly touted they were. Um, you know, you Justin Fields, of course, and Samir White stole the headlines in this class. But uh, Cade Mays, uh, who everybody knew because he you know, he ain't go to Tennessee, um, but he's a five star guy. Is he from Knoxville? Oh, he's his head played for Knoxville. Oh my Tennessee. gosh! And they got um, him out of Knoxville. Yeah, um, yeah. but you you know, Jemory uh, Sailor. Um, Slayer, Sawyer. I don't know how you say his name. S A L Y E R. See, I, I think Sawyer. Sawyer. Okay, I don't pay that much attention, but he's five star. He's a guard. Um, you know, when you go up and down the line, four guard Trey Hill, a uh, four star Trey Hill, Warren Erickson, four star. Um, uh, Owen Condon is a three star out of Oklahoma. Um, but the the thing I hear about him is like he is, um, he's raw. He's the kind of guy that could show up and blow up. Um, so, you know, all of that to say that while the the star power really, um, really stole the limelight in that class, we got better at every place that two years from now you think of that we would be a little concerned about. It's significantly better, and it's kind of hard to say before you start again before you start pouring. Um, it's easy to make a hot take right now. You know, well, Georgia flashed in the pan. I don't, I don't think people, anybody's really thinking that, but you know, there's just no way Georgia can replicate. They got too lucky with injuries and everything else. Yes. I mean, think about Alabama. They lost like three linebackers during the season and just plug right. and play. I was just about to say, yes, but the talent level and the depth is not quite to where you would see if programs were able to withstand every single thing, including two guys going down the championship game and you just plug in a guy that's just as good. It is close. It is really close. And um, there have been a lot of articles written about the, the gap in the SEC, particularly the East, between uh, Georgia and the rest of the teams and Alabama and the rest of the teams. Um, that is going to – that isn't always an indicator because there are 
plenty of years where I think Georgia had more talent and just didn't quite get all the way. Um, it's hard to say after this year that with the coaching staff and his ability, and frankly, Coach Smart's ability to keep this coaching staff together for the most part and the hire. I mean, we had the special team guy leave and then come back. Um, it's hard to say that – it's hard to look at and think that down is probably the, the only solution, the only way it can go. You know, I'd like to see coming up for 2018, and this is way too early, but it, it seems like the past couple of years, yeah, we had Javon Wims, and we've had Terry Godwin make a couple of good plays, but we are missing that A.J. Green. We're missing that Champ Bailey. We're missing that even Terrence Edwards who could really just take the top off on the receiver position because yeah, with Sony and Nick leaving, mm-hmm. sure, Swift has a lot of you know experience from last year. He's going to be – uh, one of the number one guys, you got uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook, is a freshman. You got Holyfield, who I think is going to surprise people in Harry. And you're going to need, uh, with a, you know, replacing some guys in the offensive line, you're going to need to be able to stretch the field now that everybody sees that Jake Fromm can throw the deep ball to someone like Mecole Hardeman. And maybe he'll mature a little bit more to where he becomes a real receiver because the first five games of the year, Hardeman was kind of a non factor. He was dropping more passes. Than catching him, so I'm really looking forward to the receiver position. Maybe uh, it's uh, J.J. Holloman. Uh, he wore number nine last year. He was a very highly recruited individual for the 17 class, and um, so that, that's my big pre-spring want to see or most looking forward to is how the receivers are going to step up uh, for 2018, especially with the departure of Javon Williams, who's probably made himself a lot of money. At the end of last year, were some of those uh, go get the ball catches that he made because every time the ball was thrown to him, you pretty, just, pretty, the ball. yeah, it was like those 50 50 balls. He was pretty good at uh, mossing people out there, yeah. So, I'm gonna throw a name at you. Um, Karis Jackson, Peach County, uh, signed as an athlete, four star. He did not, he got hurt, so he didn't play, didn't play in the Army All Star game. Um, was he, was he on the team that controversially lost in the uh, state championship? Maybe so, but he didn't play, he's just okay. hurt. Um, if I mean he and he was early signing, I think he was on campus already. Um, if he's able to get out and learn the system, I'd be surprised if we don't see him some. He's just he's kind of he's fast. He is uh, he's not quite as big. I was just trying to look for his profile. I can't I can't seem to put my hands on it. But he's not quite as big as or he doesn't probably doesn't play as big as Wims. Uh, but he is uh, you know six feet, two hundred pounds, uh, really fast guy and. Everything everybody says before he broke his hand. He just like you get a ball in there. Hey, I'd rather I'd rather hear that he's coming off a broken hand instead of a broken ankle or yeah. leg or an yeah. ACL or something yeah. like uh, Zamir White is happening. And you, we probably won't see Zamir White. I'd be really surprised this year. Yeah, I'd be. Really I would surprised. hope that they were going to be prudent with him, and yeah. and they will. Ron Corson's one of the best uh, sports uh, university sports medicine guys out there. But uh, yeah, I think people are going to be clamoring to see Zamir White. But hey. Hold your horses because Swift has another year on him. Harrion has another year on him. Holyfield and then James Cook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all out there, right? So um, so one last thing about football. G-Day's coming up, y'all. Two um, months. Two months. It's going to be on ESPN, 4 o'clock. Uh, That's a good kickoff time. Yeah, 4 o'clock kickoff. Great day for tailgating. Uh, Do you think they're going to hit the sellout like Kirby asked for? Uh, sure. Why not? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll be there. Uh, probably unless it looks like 100,000 people are trying to get the stadium again. And I might yeah, that was a disaster. I might just watch from the – Bridge or something. Yeah, or you, can't, you can't watch from the bridge no. anymore. Um, so is the scoreboard going to be bigger? Yes, scoreboard's going to be bigger. If you, I don't know if you've looked. I haven't uh, seen it. I've been down there. Go down there. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I think they, last I saw, they had about half of the support structure up. Um, the, but, you know, it's 
It's going to be interesting. We'll have um, – Well, it's going to be interesting to see if people show up because you've got the excitement from last year. And like Will said many times, you're not going to be able to repeat that. That was like a one-time thing. It was special. It was yeah. special. It was a one-time thing. And I tell you, it's going to be, I guess, exciting for that Austin P game to start the season. But, man, wouldn't you love to see just anything other than an Austin P uh, come in there as you defend – your great season. I just, I just think it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit more like a lead balloon. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be, be there, but it's like a team that you've never heard of. I mean, I'd rather see New Mexico come in here or Wyoming or something like that, but don't sleep on Wyoming. I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. Austin P is a, um, it's a, it's a team. APU. It's a, it's a team in, in Tennessee who is named after a guy named Austin, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, with Chad has been very bored, so we'll play him on that. Um, but then you got Middle Tennessee, and it's kind of like, eh. yeah. And then you've got By UMass. Way, and I, I love that you put UMass and Georgia Tech in there before um, I mean, Middle did, Tennessee. Here's the thing: what did Tech rank in recruiting rankings? Probably like 45th. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there is no reason in the in the foreseeable foreseeable future that Georgia should ever even really compete with Georgia Tech in those games. And I know they get weird. Yeah, but they have just mashed that accelerator and just blown doors on them. Speaking of differences in the program, you saw where Georgia Tech announced their um, their spring inter squad scrimmage in cause spring game. It's a Friday night, seven o'clock. They've done that before. Yeah, you know why? Because nobody comes. Nobody comes. It's just another night in the flats, uh, which is not something they do anymore. I remember night games over there; they were fun. I mean, they're probably they're probably getting two or three stars. They're happy when they get a like a really solid three star. They, I mean, they actually they do well. Um, they do fairly well on the defensive side of the ball, and, and sometimes on the offensive side, particularly with one off receivers. But I, yeah, one off receivers. I, I they had Thomas and Calvin Johnson I, come through there. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I mean that that spread is just is increasing. I hope um, I hope Paul Johnson retires there in twenty twenty six. Yeah. What other coaches would you like to see not retire or go anywhere? Malzahn be one of those? I'm fine with Malzahn where he is. Yeah. Um, frankly. Um, uh, you, yeah. How do you feel about Pruitt? Are you nervous about that or is it going to take a little I bit? I just want to see. Yeah. Um, I am 100% convinced of his ability to recruit. Um, for the most part, uh, I think there are going to be some one-off situations where he's not going to handle – he's not going to handle some attitude that you might have to handle out of – very highly recruited players sometimes. Um, I am 100% convinced of his ability to blow up at the wrong time yeah. and make emotional decisions. So is he more like Butch Jones than people realize, you think? Um, I don't think he's more like Butch Jones. I think he's more like um, – I don't know. Maybe he's more like Ron Turner. Ron Turner was coach at Illinois. Mark Stoops? No, nah, Mark, Mark Stoops is not uh, – look – if, if everything to be believed about Jeremy Pruitt when he coached here um, – and it may be some of his time at FSU. Um, we'll never know what happened in Alabama until the book's written. Um, but if everything's to be believed, is that Pruitt has a temper. Pruitt is not happy when things don't go his way. Um, so it will be interesting to see what happens the first time he is faced with a situation where he has to make – he needs to make a decision that requires him to be level-headed about it. And things have been going not his way. And I'm thinking – late game situation or um, for that matter, you know, start bench situation. I mean, Steve Spurrier got away with that for a long time. He was, he was just really was that good. Right. That was a different, different era. Well, that's just a different era, but it was, it's, you know, he had, he had the talent to be able to do that. Right. 
So, but we have them to thank for the 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 Payne Pruitt indoor practice facility. The pain, nice, <laughs> nice. So, you know, my my concern. I mean, is is it possible that Pruitt is is everything Tennessee fans hope he is? Yes, one hundred percent. You think Fulmer's going to lord over it too much and maybe mess things up? I was just about to say that's a wild card. Fulmer's <laughs> a wild card. Um, it would be. I understand why Jeremy Pruitt takes that job. It'd be really hard for me not to be. At, at the minimum, nervous about Fulmer and his shenanigans um, over the last coaching. I mean, I, I'd kind of almost relate that to like your grandparents on Facebook. You know, wow. they wow. can. I tell you what, I've, I've seen. Think a couple, about your life. Yeah, they really can't because they'll start tagging you in things and like yeah. sharing things. And you're like, don't share that. You know? Well, I think it's more along the lines of Fulmer not forgetting. You know. Former for games, not football coach anymore. Um, uh, and maybe it's a, maybe the better situation is uh, maybe a better analogy is when you have a former coach go and be the AD and um, medals still in the football program. I think you could see that um, because look, Phil Fulmer's hands are, are dirty as crap when it comes to what happened with their prior AD. And we can have an entire show devoted to how that whole thing happened. But the reality is, Fulmer was, was a coup d'état. Fulmer was poisoning the well in every single thing because he was trying to get Curry out of there. Um, is there any reason to believe that Fulmer won't stab Jeremy Pruitt in the back with the longest sword he can find if it thinks it suits Fulmer's needs? For like the 2020 season that things aren't going as he thought to where he's like, you know what? I'm going to take the reins of this again. Uh, sure. I, I mean, I'm completely convinced Fulmer and, and Pruitt are going to end up in a bum fight. So, <laughs> um, I, you know, that could happen. So real quick, you're, you're good on Muschamp being in South Carolina. You feel love good about him. I love him in South Carolina. And Mark Stoops I mean, in Kentucky. I, mean, I look realistically, Muschamp is a good coach for South Carolina. Right. It looks like he's, but he doesn't like threaten he's, you. He's recruiting. I mean, I'm nervous about him because he. Uh, I, I think he has improved as a football coach. Um, and South Carolina always has the potential that weird things happen over there. Well, so, Clinton's now the OC. Right. And um, so I'm nervous in that regard, but I don't. I don't. I don't look at him the same way I did as. Um, when I, when Luke Holtz was there or even Spurrier was there, it was like, you know, they're going to figure out some way just because they had, you know, they had, um, they had, they had strong feelings about how they wanted to play Georgia. Yeah. And so Mark Stoops at Kentucky, Fine. good with Fine that. And, uh, Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. Sure. Pour some out for the world's best uh, receiver slash coach. Yeah, and then the guy that was the defensive coordinator at Missouri, I can't even remember. Barry Odom. Barry Odom. Um, yeah, that's, look, he had a great look, end it's, of the season. It's easy after the season Georgia had to look at the other coaches in the SEC East and be like, okay, I'm good yeah. with this. Um, the reality is, is is the coaching staffs, I think, got better uh, last year. I think Mullen is a good hire for Florida. Um, I think it remains to be seen what happens with him recruiting. I think Florida can self-recruit a little bit. Um, what do you think of him running his mouth a little bit about Georgia being a flash in the pan? This year, after they stepped on his face when he was at that's, Mississippi that's, State, so that's, cool that's all well and good. I think it's great. It's fine. You know what? You can you can talk. Um, you know, Muschamp talked. Um, you can talk. Whatever. It's fine. I I think I welcome like some some trash talk from coaches just because we got bulletin boards too. So yeah, it helps our show. Yep, helps our show. Well, maybe we'll get Will to send in a minute or two um, soliloquy on all of his goings on. I mean, he's, he could be in Brooklyn right now recording some amazing show for Sports Illustrated. Gentlemen, hello. 
your friendly Midwestern slash New York slash Yankee correspondent. I'm sorry to have missed the show this week. Scheduling for everyone, by the way, has been a bit of a headache. It's not just my fault that it's taken us for us a while to do the post-signing show podcast. I'm not the one with kids that have baseball practice from 7.30 to 9 o'clock on Monday night. These kids are not, I mean, they don't make baseball players practice that late. Like professional baseball players do not practice that late. Nine o'clock? My bedtime was 8.30 until junior high. Or middle school, sorry. They call it middle school now. You know, you sound old if you call it junior high. It's middle school. Anyway, I'm here to give a little update in a minute. Though I'm already 50 seconds in, so that's not happening. I think Tony and Scott handled everything well with the recruiting and all that sort of business. I will talk a little bit about Georgia men's basketball. The season looked clearly over. And then, of course, as tends to happen with things, when they appear clearly over, Marks Fox's gentleman pulled off a crazy comeback win at Florida, down seven with 50 seconds left, somehow coming back and winning in overtime. And then a pretty impressive win over Tennessee all told. That said, they probably need to win out in the regular season. Maybe they could lose at Tennessee in the last game. But they certainly need to win three of these last four at South Carolina on Wednesday, home against LSU on Saturday, home against Texas A&M on Wednesday, or yes, Wednesday, and then they have finishing at Tennessee before heading to the SEC tournament in St. Louis, of all places. I think they need three or four to even be considered on the bubble for the tournament, and then we'll probably need an SEC tournament win as well. If you're asking, do they need to make the tournament for Mark Fox to keep his job? I would argue yes. In fact, they do. And I think that the more you talk to people involved uh, with the basketball program, the more I think there is that understanding and acceptance for better and or for worse. So, go dogs. Good luck to Mark Fox's program. I'm still rooting for him and them. I love Yante Maiden. I have a J.J. Frazier bobblehead. Got a J.J. Frazier bobblehead from the Saturday game. So that itself, even though he looks a little more like Jawan Parker than he does like J.J. Frazier, but if you have your own bobblehead of one of your favorite players, one should not beg. They should just choose. I think I have that backwards. Last thing, women's basketball team. Last, uh, the NCAA women's side, they give out the top four seeds early before. It's not its own bracketology, except it's the actual, you know, the actual committee. They had George as a four seed, which means they would host games at segment in the tournament. You want to keep them in the top four seeds so we can all go watch them in some of the tournament games at the Stag, which will be very fun. So go dogs, go Lady Bulldogs, and uh, you know, everybody watch the Will Leach show, by the way. I think I don't know if they talked about it, but go to SI.com or go to my Twitter feed. You can watch me interview celebrities and humans of relative import. Okay, I'm excited to get back in the studio with you guys and drink some bourbon. Bye. Who's his next guest, you think? If you had to guess, based on his past guests, if Tara Lipinski and two, uh, there was a sports writer and then a guy that is in a movie or a TV series. I'm going to go with, uh, since baseball season's about to start, baseball writer. Yeah. Uh, maybe 
Joe Pitansky or um, uh, Tim Kirchin. Maybe Kirchin. I don't know. That'd be I, interesting. Yeah. So uh, certainly not. Could so could, Will's a young guy. He's yeah. kind of like us. He's a, he's older than me, but younger than you. Um, as I was sitting there thinking, like watching his progression, you know, podcaster, writer, host, co-host of Wait Since Last Saturday, uh, you know, Deadspin founder, and now he's got this uh, show on Sports Illustrated. I could completely see when he's 48, him calling us up saying, hey, man, I don't have time to do the show anymore because I'm going to be, you know, contributing uh, columnist to ESPN or, you know, on baseball tonight or. Uh, you know, I mean, being he, hired by the St. Louis Cardinals or something like that. I mean, he does have some of that already. I mean, he he does for he has done some in studio work for MLB Network, mm-hmm. um, and um, he has done some. I mean, he currently he still writes for a number of other outlets beyond uh, beyond. Oh yeah, he still does movie reviews, right? Movie reviews. So you know, I think it feels like to me that that Will's very happy with. Uh, kind of where he is on his ability to write the things he wants to write and talk about the things he wants to talk about. Um, and, you know, I also think Sports Illustrated make an investment in the future of online streaming content. And frankly, Will's part of the anchor of that. And I think that's good for him. Yeah. No, I think he's doing a great job on the show. So the reason why we talk about it, one, he's not here and we're trying to make him feel included, but two, he's doing a really good job on those shows. It, they really are entertaining. They're short. You can find them online at sportsillustrated.com, or I think I've seen them on Facebook, linked by SI Now. Um, all you got to do is just look at some of our uh, social links because we've been linking, linking them out as well. So uh, make sure to you know send us a tweet. Uh, keep in touch with us. I don't know when our next show is going to be. This is sometime in February we're doing this show, so probably uh, before the SEC tournament, maybe. Yeah. I'd like to do one where all three of us can get back together. Yeah, the next uh, the next couple of weeks is going to be travel-wise a little dicey for me, but um, uh, certainly by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around, hopefully we'll be able to, to get together and talk. Because I, I miss doing this. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, it's hard to kind of get back in it because Tony called me. I don't know, 10 minutes before we start, say, hey, I'm in Watkinsville. I'm going to come over if you're home. Let's do a podcast right now. And I mean, I was still finding cords. I, I kind of stored them away for a while because uh, this is our quote-unquote offseason. But we have gotten a couple of reviews. Stick on that or hold your horses or whatever, yeah. whatever the, whatever the what, terminology is. Yeah, well, it's, been like, it's been like a three-hour podcast. And I'm going to have to <laughs> edit it down. No, but, um, but yeah, keep sending reviews in. We would really love it. I think we're up to 108. Nice. Uh, reviews on on our uh, on our iTunes. So go to iTunes if you haven't done it already and leave us a review. I mean, you can leave any kind of star rating. We we prefer the four or five stars, just kind of like George does in recruiting. But we really do love to hear what y'all write, and we will discuss it and read it on a future podcast episode. So other than that, um, Tony has one thing left to say, which he and Tony used to say. Shoot, I'll say it too. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. I've added a few links in the show notes of this episode. Quite a few, actually. I've got the Senator Blutarski article, the one where we were, refer- we were referencing the ticket price increase. It's a pretty good read. And if you haven't checked it out, it's there. And you, you might find it interesting. Also linked are Will's Sports Illustrated shows titled None Other, None Other Than... Gosh, I can't talk today. None Other Than The Will Leach Show. I like that name. And I'm also going to link a documentary, a documentary that I did about the little bitty town of Winterville, Georgia, located about seven miles east of downtown Athens, where I interviewed their guitar-playing mayor, 
Dodd Farrell. I hope you'll enjoy that. Feel free to tweet us any questions you might have at WSLS Podcast. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will get those into our March show. And I don't know. Have a great rest of your week. I plan on it. The sun's going to be out. It's going to be in the mid-70s and 80s, at least down here in Georgia. And uh, we'll hope to see you on campus sometime very soon. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>